Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word comes from, yet everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Everything from mountaintop beauty and deep forest to meth heads and extreme prejudice. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet to the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed downright unbelievable and tormenting historical atrocities. They have lived through everything from hauntings to cryptic creatures that show up and wreak havoc on their homesteads. The worst creature, though, may be man himself. I, being born and raised in these Appalachian Mountains, know that nothing is beyond a pale of belief, no matter how fantastic it sounds. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has a long legacy of unending tales and adventures. Come with me as I take you on a fantastic journey through these mountains, where things are not always as they seem. I guarantee you it won't be anything like you expected. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Season 2 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. There are few things as important as taking care of our children and our elderly. And those of us who are Christians are charged with giving the less fortunate a hand up. The children are the most innocent among us, and it is our duty to see that they are properly cared for. The elderly, well, they supposedly have lived out the prime of their lives and age has finally taken their bodies. To some, it may seem that they have nothing left to give, but to me at least, they have a wealth of knowledge that unless we at least listen to them, will be lost with their passing. After all, they didn't get to be elderly by being stupid. Come on in, take your shoes off, and set a spell, and let me tell you about a person who took charge of caring for the elderly, and by her own definition, took care of them she did. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today we go to Milton, Connecticut, where in 1868, a woman who would become known as Sister Amy Duggan Archer Gilligan was born. Amy was the eighth child of ten born into James Duggan and Mary Kennedy. She was educated at the Milton School and then the New Britain Normal School in 1890. And in 1897, Amy married James Archer and they had a daughter, Mary later that December. In 
In 1901, the archers were hired to take care of John Seymour, an aging widower who, whose home they moved into located in Newington, Connecticut. Mr. Seymour died in 1904, and his family turned his home into a boarding house and let the archers stay on as caretakers of the place. The archers cared for the elderly in this house, charging a fee, of course, some of which they gave to the Seymour family for rent. The name of this home was Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. The archers moved to Windsor, Connecticut in 1907 when the Seymour family chose to sell the boarding house. They had enough saved by themselves to get another residence and they converted it to the Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm. The clients could pay two ways, on a weekly basis or for a flat fee of $1,000 which guaranteed care for the rest of their lives. Now that, folks, sounds like an incentive for some nefarious activity to start up to me, don't it, you? It seems to me that the poor souls who chose to pay the flat fee might just have made themselves big targets as a result and maybe die before their actual time's up. In 1910, Amy's husband James died of kidney disease. James' death was considered natural, but it was awful curious that Amy had taken out an insurance policy on James just a few weeks before he died. Apparently, she needed the money that she got from the policy because folks, they were all out living their $1,000 fee and running to broke. With the money from James' death, she was able to continue running the Archer home. Amy remarried in 1913 to Michael W. Gilligan. The very next year, Michael was dead, and in a short time of their marriage, he had drawn up a will and left Amy his entire estate. The official cause of death was acute bilious attack, or simply put, severe indigestion. Now, who knew you could die from indigestion? But still, nobody questioned it. After all, Sister Amy was doing the Lord's work and taking care of the elderly, right? Well, that was until somebody realized that there had been 60 deaths that occurred in the Archer home in 10 years. Finally, relatives of Amy's clients began to catch on to starting start and inquired about the large number of deaths happening at the house. One of these deaths was Franklin R. Andrews, who was a perfectly healthy man. He was doing some gardening outside the house one morning, and mysteriously, by the same evening, he was being wheeled out the front door and feet first. The official cause of his death was gastric ulcer. Franklin's personal papers were given to his sister, Nellie Pierce, after his death. She found that Amy had been hounding her brother for money before his death. Soon a pattern emerged of quite a few clients dying soon after giving money to the caretaker, the good sister Amy. Nellie reported her suspicion to the local district attorney as the deaths continued. The DA ignored her, so uh, she decided to take it to the press. The Hartford Courant published the first of the few articles on May 9, 1916, about the murder factory, as it would be called. 
This forced the police to take the case more seriously, and they started an investigation and lasted almost a year. The authorities exhumed the bodies of Michael, Franklin, and other clients. It was found five died by either arsenic or strychnine poisoning. Local shop owners gave testimony that Amy had been buying large amounts of arsenic that she needed to, you know, kill rats. I guess that depends on your definition of rat. Amy was arrested and charged with five counts of murder, but her lawyer managed to get that reduced to one count. That after, which was the death of Franklin Andrews. It was also came out in court that her second husband's will was fake and written in Amy's handwriting. A jury found her guilty on June 18, 1917, and she was sentenced to death by hanging. She was held at Witherfield Prison. She appealed her case and was granted a new trial in 1919. This time around, she pleaded insanity, and her daughter testified that she was an addict to morphine. She was found guilty of second-degree murder, but this time was sentenced to life in prison. Amy was declared temporarily insane in 1924 and was transferred to the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane in Middleton, where she is said that she, of all things, worked in the kitchen preparing meals. This is where she stayed until she died on April 23, 1962. Today, the murder factory still stands in Windsor at 37 Prospect Street, where it has been turned into apartments. There have since been no reported deaths related to arsenic or strychnine poisoning coming out of there since. Well, I hope you got something out of our story today. Evil it may be, it had to be told. Join me on our Facebook group, Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend Podcast, where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. And of course, I'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend. I'll see you then.